Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. And yes, it has been quite some time. And no, we still do not have all the bells and whistles as I am doing this podcast from the friendly confines of my mobile device. Sorry, no laptop. So we're working on that. Anyway, what do we have in store? Well, the only thing I can say is grab your ticket, get on board, and enjoy the ride across this train. Today is definitely going to take you on a journey. So let's get this train back on the track and enjoy the journey. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Well, well, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I know, I hope you guys have missed me as much as I've missed doing this for y'all. I've been transitioning with a new job, getting acclimated to basically life on the road, literally as a delivery driver. Oh, yes, I I, I switched jobs. After nine and a half years, it was time for a change. But I'm back. And I'm not going to leave y'all like that no more, okay? But yeah, we're going to get into some things. As you may know, I am in the, as we call it, the ICT or the 316, some call it the dub K. I'm old school. I just rather be plain and simple. I am in Wichita, Kansas. So what I am going to do is I'm going to give you some local Kansas news first and foremost, because there's been a lot of goings going on, especially concerning Wichita State basketball. We had the defection of Dexter Dennis, who's been basically not just a good solid player on the team but a standout citizen he has embraced Wichita and Wichita had embraced him as well too along with Morris Udesi both are in the transfer portal they could have came back but they decided it was time to move on but now Wichita State star Tyson Etienne ends his college basketball career and is entering the 2022 NBA draft. That's right. You've heard that here. So when Tyson Etienne announced he was returning to the Wichita State men's basketball team last season, he called it the last dance. Doesn't that sound familiar? In his social media caption. Sure enough, Tyson Etienne's third season with the Shockers proved to be his last after the former American Athletic Conference Co-Player of the Year made it official on his social media platforms on Thursday that he will enter the 2022 NBA draft. Etienne confirmed to the Eagle that his college basketball career is over and he will forego his final two years of eligibility to pursue a professional career. It was truly the greatest honor of my life, of my career thus far to play for Wichita State University and to proudly put on the black and yellow for the past three years, Etienne wrote in his farewell post on social media. Thank you to Isaac 
Coach Isaac Brown and Coach Greg Marshall, Coach Tyson Waterman, and the entire coaching and support staff for everything, for believing in me, giving me the opportunity of a lifetime, and for helping to mold me into the man I am today. Chakra Nation, you are the best fan base in America. Thank you for genuinely cheering us on every single game through the ups and downs during my time here. I will miss your energy dearly. Etienne was Wichita State's leading scorer the past two seasons and delivered a memorable, a memorable scoring season during the 2021 campaign when he averaged 16.3 points and 3.3 pointers per game on 39% accuracy and helped lead the Shockers to their first AAC championship and a return berth to the NCAA tournament. The six-foot-two guard flirted with the NBA draft last summer and said he received positive feedback, but Etienne and WSU did not have the expected success during the 2021-22 season. Etienne's efficiency dipped as his three-point shooting fell from 39.2% to 32.6% this past season, in large part due to the increased difficulty of shot selection. After entering the season as the preseason favorite to win AAC Player of the Year, Etienne settled for third-team all-conference honors. While his third season at WSU may have been a disappointment, Etienne could once again flourish during the NBA workouts like he did last summer to create more positive buzz. He is not currently projected to be a draft pick, but should have several opportunities to play his way into that discussion with pre-draft workouts and a potential showing at the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Even if he goes undrafted, Etienne figures to find a landing spot either with a G League team or a lucrative overseas contract, much like former Shocker Jamie or Jaime Echenique, who is knocking on the door of the NBA in the same way. In just 80 games, in three seasons, Etienne joined the 1,000-point club, and his career scoring average of 13.2 points ranked tied for 21st in program history. Etienne's 200 career three-pointers also finished third all-time in WSU history. He also made an impact off the floor, helping feed those in need in New York City and even hosting his own art show in Wichita last fall with part of the profits being donated to a Wichita charity and his former AAU basketball team. The announcement comes as no surprise to those within the program as Etienne informed the WSU coaches at their exit meetings in March of following through his plans of turning pro. While the departure was expected, replacing Etienne's scoring load won't be easy. Wichita State head coach Isaac Brown has his work cut out for him after six players from last season's rotation have entered the NCAA transfer portal following a disappointing 15-13 campaign, leaving him with eight scholarships available for WSU's 2022 recruiting class. The Shockers currently have three signees from the NCAA transfer portal in Drexel guard Xavier Bell, a 6'3 sophomore, Florida State center Quincy Ballard, a 7'2 sophomore, and Alabama center James Rojas, a 6'8 senior. 
WSU has official visits scheduled this week for Elon Sharpshooter, Hunter McIntosh, and Southeastern Louisiana wing Gus Okafor. So, at best, it's best to say, wish Tite St. Etienne the best of luck in his endeavors as he decides to move his career farther instead of parallel. I say that because to move your career farther, you make a next step to <clears throat> make this your profession as opposed to going from one college to another. But when you look at the names that are currently on the list, on it will be putting on the shocker uniform. I kind of want to say that next year's team may outperform this past season's team, even with all the bells and whistles that this past season team was supposedly supposed to have. Uh, I think there are some contributing factors to why come the team didn't succeed, but that's neither here nor there. All we can do now is, as Shocker fans, look forward. So right now, I like the prospects of a Xavier Bell, a Quincy Ballard, and a James Rojas. Notice that Drexel, that's a name that you've heard of. Florida State, <laughs> Coach Leonard Hamilton, Alabama. I mean, the, these two schools, Alabama and Florida State, those are players coming from schools that are playing in Power 5 conferences. So that's something that you can't take lightly, and it's just a matter of molding these guys together. Which leads me basically into my next story. Hopefully, I can pull it on up. The recruiting shocker that is the James Ballard kid. I mean, the fact that he chose Wichita State over his own home state school, which is in which is Syracuse which means Wichita State definitely pulled a coup on that one because think about it. As a basketball player, as a kid, you want someone that you know that you know has put teams in positions to be successful, that have put players in the NBA. And on a national level, Jim Beheim versus Isaac Brown, there's more notoriety with a Jim Beheim. So the fact that Isaac Brown can pull this off says that he must be doing something right. So we look forward to seeing next year's edition of Wichita State basketball because they will definitely have a brand new look. Most definitely a brand new look. So, why did Baser Linwood's Trevor McBride join Wichita State basketball team as a walk-on? Baser Linwood High School standout Trevor McBride is joining the Wichita State men's basketball team for the 2022-23 season as a preferred walk-on, he announced on his social media accounts Wednesday. McBride is a six foot one guard who averaged 11 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4.8 assists, and 1.8 steals 
per game and helped the Bashermen win to a 19-3 record this past season. In his Twitter feed, he said, Blessed to announce I will be accepting a PWO, which is a preferred walk-on, and continue my academic and athletic career at Wichita State. He joins another Kansas high school basketball standout, Cape and Mount Carmel's Henry Thingval, as an incoming preferred walk-on with the Shockers. McBride's announcement also coincide on the same day as Steel Gaston Chapman, the former campus standout who redshirted this past season while being a walk-on in Wichita State entered the transfer portal. It's always been a dream to play Division I basketball since I was young, Bride told the Eagle. But really, I want to get into business, and their business school is really good. So the opportunity with basketball plus that outweighed the chance to play at a JUCO. McBride, who scored a 5.1 assist to turnover ratio and finished his career as Baser Linwood's all-time leader in assists, felt like he had the ability to play at the Division II level, but said his weight, 160 pounds, limited his interest. He has been recruited by mostly Kansas Junior Colleges, where he was planning on going, where he was planning on going to put on weight and try to improve his recruiting options in two years before the WSU offer came along. WSU has long had its eye on McBride for the role as player development coach Nick Jones invited the base from Edward Senior to attend the South Alabama game at Coke Arena back on November the 13th. The deal was sealed when McBride drove to Wichita for a workout at Coke Arena on Monday. After meeting with WSU coach and staff, McBride was thrilled to receive the offer to join the team. I'm a natural point guard, McBride said. I can score when I have to, but at the high school level in Kansas with no shot clock, I basically just drew two defenders, and found the open man. We had a really good team this year, and my teammates had a lot of shots. McBride will bring a winning mentality to the scout team and practices. During his time with the Bobcats, they reached the state championship game and also made it to the Class 5A semifinals in 2020 before the coronavirus pandemic wiped out the state tournament. He finished his career as an all-state in Class 5A with the third most wins in program history. He says, I feel like I've always been a winner. Bryce said, I want to help the team win and get good looks and practice. They want me to kind of lead the scout team, and I want to get the people who were playing the kind of looks they would be getting in a game. I just want to do whatever I can to help my team win. So, welcoming in a PWO preferred walk-on in McBride. Wish him the best of luck. And like I say, I believe the outlook for Wichita State basketball this coming up season will be a very bright look. So Wichita State fans, all I want to say is don't hang your heads down. Keep your head up. It will only get better. So i tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will get into some more news probably on a national level. So stay seated. The train is steady building up steam. It is Anthony Smith, a train sports talk podcast. Your host and conductor of the train. I will be right back. So stay tuned.
It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Wanting to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right. Driven by you, the listener. So if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or hit me up at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship ran on this podcast. Once again, A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Well, welcome back to another segment of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And uh, it just feels so odd that I'm doing this the way I'm doing it because I haven't did a podcast from the confines of my mobile device since I have been doing it from my computer with all the bells and whistles, but we're going to make it through this, and who knows, we may end up reaching out and doing some interviews. I was going to try to wait till my laptop issues were resolved, but if I can do it from my phone as well, I will definitely do it. I will reach out, and so I will keep you posted as to upcoming interviews I plan on doing. Definitely want to reach out to Coach Carter. Or it's also a local young lady here. I think she's going to Juco route who played her high school basketball at Wichita Heights by the name of Jordan Bell. I plan on getting her on here uh, to see what her future endeavors are and what this this past season was like and so on. And I said I was going to go into some probably national news, but I want to get back into a little bit of Wichita State news before I move on forward. So I already told you about Tyson Etienne and also Baser Linwood's Trevor McBride joining as a walk-on. But some of the names that I did mention but didn't really expound upon was former Alabama forward James Rojas announces his transfer to Wichita State. The six foot eight, two hundred twenty pound forward averaged five point four points and two point five rebounds last season. He announced Sunday that he has committed to Wichita State, joining the program as a transfer from Alabama. The impact the rising fifth year senior will help fortify the Wichita State front court after he was a key reserve for Alabama over the past two seasons. Over his seventeen appearances, three starts. During the 2021-22 campaign, Rojas averaged 5.4 points and 2.4 rebounds in 13 and a half minutes per game. The Quincy Ballard one. Quincy Ballard commits to Wichita State. Wichita State has landed a commitment from Florida State transfer Quincy Ballard. He announced on his Instagram page he picked the Shockers. And let me go ahead and pull up 
this story as well. Wichita State landed a commitment from Florida State transfer Quincy Ballard, he announced on his Instagram page. He picked the Shockers over Syracuse. Ballard officially visited the Orange from April 7th through the 9th. After visiting Wichita State, seven-foot, 240-pounder from Syracuse chose the Seminoles over the Orange out of high school. After playing just four minutes per game and 36 appearances over two seasons, Ballard entered the portal this offseason. Ballard averaged 1.1 points and 0.9 rebounds while shooting 70.8 from the floor during his time at Florida State. Syracuse is in need of an experienced center to back up starter Jesse Edwards. The primary backup last season, Frank Anselm will not be back as he transferred into transfer portal. Ballard would fill that role and made sense as he was targeted by the Orange out of high school. Syracuse will now have to look elsewhere. As a high school prospect, Ballard held offers from Cincinnati, Florida State, Maryland, NC State, Syracuse, and several mid-major colleges. Ballard ultimately chose the Seminoles as his destination with Syracuse and Maryland serving as his other finalists. Ballard played his final year of high school at Quality Education Academy. He averaged 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 blocks per game. So Wichita State is getting him an experienced big to go along with, I believe, Kenny Polto, who's a 6'11 big. And, of course, Xavier, Xavier Bell is coming in. And uh, the impact, it says, Ballard didn't play much last season for Florida State, so this move was likely so Ballard has more of an opportunity to get on the court. His seven-foot frame should allow him to make an impact in the Shockers' weak conference. Of course, I wouldn't say the AAC is a weak conference. You still have Memphis, even though they're going through their issues, um, being told lack of institutional control. So I'm going to be following that story and seeing what's really going on with Memphis. Then you have Xavier Bell. After spending two seasons with Drexel, Bell entered the transfer portal following the 2021-22 campaign. The guard averaged 11 points and shot 49.2% from the field. This year making him an attractive transfer option. Now, with his new program, Bell will have multiple years of eligibility. Then there's Ricky Council, who declares but maintains his eligibility. Council announced via his personal Twitter account that he will declare for the MD for the 2022 NBA draft while maintaining his collegiate eligibility. Council will look to move on to the professional ranks after two seasons with Wichita State, though he will leave the door open to return to college should he find unfavorable feedback during his pre-draft evaluation process. The six-foot-six guard took jumps in nearly every major statistical category from his first to second collegiate season, averaging 12 points, 5.4 rebounds, 1.6 assists, and 1 point one assist over 28 games with seven starts this past season. So that door is still open. Should he return, that would be a 
great impact on a team that will be full of newcomers and very few players coming back with any type of experience whatsoever. So that's the news I have concerning some more Wichita State news. Now, as I get ready to transition and move around to some more national-related news, we had a very interesting season of college hoops, which culminated in the University of Kansas winning the national title, which is now Bill Self's second national title just proving that it is most definitely a hard act to win repeated titles. I mean, it's been, what, like years since he's won, since he won the first one. But there was also some high praise being garnered toward a coach in a historically black college and university setting. But the coach that heaped these praises of comments may have ruffled a few feathers. Anybody remember Kim Mulkey? Yeah, that Kim Mulkey. The one who coached at Baylor for years. Well, LSU coach Kim Mulkey spoke the truth on JSU's rising coaching star. Kim Mulkey knew her LSU team was fortunate to come out on top against Jackson State, and she said as much in her post-game press conference. It's not that she was surprised either, Sarah, that the 83-77 win over the SWAC champions marked the second time in as many seasons as she's had to go through JSU to get to the second round of the NCAA tournament. It was tougher this time around than it was last year when she was at Baylor and she made sure that JSU head coach Tamika Reed knew so. She told reporters that in her post-game conversation, I respect the job she's done and that she's a heck of a, she's a heck of a coach. And her kids played their hearts out, but that wasn't all. I don't know if you want me to tell you the second part of that because y'all Jackson State people, the LSU coach said, I said you ain't going to be at Jackson State long if they don't pay you. And I'm not her agent. I'm not her best friend. I just know talent and I respect people from afar on a job well done. Mulkey is known for being a humorous tell it like it is coach with the media. But she wasn't kidding and she wasn't wrong. Reed is taking JSU's women's basketball to new heights since arriving as head coach in 2018 including back-to-back undefeated SWAC regular season and tournament titles along with NCAA appearances. And Sunday, she nearly added a monumental 14-3 upset. In other words, that 14-3 upset means they were a 14 seed and almost knocked off a 3 seed. That that added a monumental 14-3 upset to that resume after leading LSU by double digits. After the game, Reed said all the right things about JSU, the SWAT, and HBCUs as her team made fans of all three entities proud on Saturday, that Saturday afternoon. 
We have to fight for our institution. We have to fight for our conference when you see it. We have to continue to fight for our culture. We have to continue to knock on walls to get respect. It's time to come back and knock the walls down. Mopi's comment rubbed some people the wrong way, as she knew they would if she said, <clears throat> HBCUs have had great head coaches in the past, and there are many good ones around in the present, particularly given what they have to work with. But it is obvious that Reed's star is on the rise. And true to Moki's words, her pay will have to rise as well. Jackson State extended Reed back in 2020 as she quickly put the program from the SWAC seller to among its elites. Since then, however, JSU has added Deion Sanders, which has put the school in another stratosphere. Earlier this month, it announced another Jackson hometown hero coming in as head coach in the former NBA champion, Mo Williams. The man behind those moves was Ashley Robinson. Moves was Ashley Robinson recently named AD of the Year and the recipient of a new contract himself earlier this month. Now he'll have to work to make sure she's comfortably compensated because schools will with more resources to put into women's basketball than JSU will definitely be taking note of Reed in a new light. Yes, HBCUs deserve great coaches that recognize their importance to not only their institution, but the culture as well. But they also have to provide a competitive salary as their rising stars continue to shine more brightly with each passing year. The words of LSU coach may sting to some JSU and HBCU supporters, but they are valid in the capitalistic society we live in. Nine years ago, a piece was written in the infancy of HBCU game day called A Good HBCU Coach is Hard to Keep. It hasn't been as frequent as thought it might be back then, but my money says Tamika Reed will have plenty of options on the table. Hopefully, she'll stick around and make JSU into the powerhouse program that it can be, but the price will have to be right. Woo! So, how do you feel about the comments made by one Kim Mulkey regarding Tamika Reed? And what can JSU do to keep their coach? Can it be done? Thus far, no one has been able to pry Deion Sanders away as he continues to build a monster with the football program. Can the same be done with the women's basketball program? This may have to be one of those times I reach out to someone else because I will be bringing back the coach's corner. I will try to get an opinion, though, on this very article, this very segment from one of my, I call her my good friend. She's coaching at Coppin State, and she also is doing a great job, Coach Laura Harper. Because I'm on some feedback on this. So, 
tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to take a pause and I am going to come back with some more news. So this train is still building up some steam. So I hope you are enjoying the ride. So this is the A Transports Talk podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Stay on board because there's more to come. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And you know I always tell you, enjoy the journey because even sometimes I don't know which way this train is going to go. As is the case right now, looking at a report right now, and I'm bringing it to you right now on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I'm pretty sure it's on the national airwaves, but let me just go ahead and get you this right now because to me, this is like, well, Let's just say as of a few days ago, who saw this coming? But Villanova head coach Jay Wright retires from coaching. That's right. Jay Wright, according to the athletics, Shams Sharania, Jay Wright is stepping down as head coach of the Villanova Wildcats and retiring from coaching. Charnier tweeted that Wright's decision to retire after 21 legendary seasons as Villanova head coach is based largely on wanting to spend more time with his family, including his wife, Patty, and three children. The two-time Naismith Coach of the Year has been the head coach at Villanova since 2001, but over the years, several high-profile NCAA and NBA teams have shown interest in Wright. A report from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reiterates Wright's intention to retire from Villanova and from coaching entirely, meaning a job with another college or NBA team doesn't appear to be in Wright's future. Wojnarowski tweeted out, there has been significant NBA interest in Jay Wright through the years, but sources tell ESPN that his intention to is to retire from coaching, not only Villanova. Those who talk to Wright don't believe the NBA holds appeal to him, not now or in the future. Wright had the opportunity to coach with Greg Popovich on the Team USA staff and enjoyed the experience, but never came close to leaving Villanova for NBA jobs, Wojnarowski noted. Wright helped lead the Wildcats to the Final Four earlier this month where they fell to the Kansas Jayhawks. The six-time Big East Coach of the Year has a 520-197 and record at Villanova. He's led the Wildcats to NCAA national titles in 2016 and 2018 along with Final Four appearances. So there you have the retirement news of Jay Wright. Moving on to some more news. Here's another report. Ben Simmons plans to make Nets debut game four versus Celtics 
as long as rehab remains on course. Ben Simmons' Brooklyn Nets debut and his return to the NBA action following 10 months of dramatic twists and turns could finally be coming. Simmons was ruled out by head coach Steve Nash for game two the day before the contest, and although Nash remained non-committal on the three-time All-Stars Game 3 status. It now seems probable that his debut will come early next week. What is more uncertain is whether Simmons' debut will come with the Nets facing elimination. Boston stole Game 1 on Sunday thanks to a buzzer-beating game-time layup by Jason Tatum and were led by Jalen Brown in a comfort-behind Game 2 win. The series shift to Brooklyn for Game 3 on Saturday. Former Philadelphia 76ers point guard's last NBA contest was Game 7 of the team's stunning second-round playoff exit against the Atlanta Hawks last spring. So that drama still remains as to will he or won't he? Won't he or will he? That remains to be seen. So what else do we have on tap? Well, I'm going to go with a non-sports story on this train. Like I told you, you never know what direction this train is going to take. But everybody is still talking about it, even on sports talk shows. So guess what? I'm going to do the same thing. As Trevor Noah reacts to Will's Oscar ban, he says, should have consulted Chris Rock. Trevor Noah has reacted to news that actor and friend Will Smith was banned for a decade by the Oscars after slapping host Chris Rock. Trevor Noah has weighed into actor Will Smith's Oscars ban, and it's, it's, it's hilarious. On Tuesday, April the 12th, the Daily Show host took a moment to reflect on his Hollywood besties decade-long ban from the prestigious Film Academy. Last week, the Academy Awards announced that we'll not be welcome to their annual awards ceremony. This after he slapped host Chris Rock during a heated moment. The comedian had unknowingly joked about Will's wife, Jada, who sported a bald head at the event due to autoimmune illness, alopecia. Despite the ban, the Oscars has permitted the star to keep his Best Actor Award for his role in tennis biopic King Richard. Punishment or favorite, asked Trevor Noah. In a clip uploaded this week, Trevor Noah, who was criticized for comforting Will Smith at the Vanity Fair Oscars after party, weighed in on the news. Whilst he initially claimed that the ban was ridiculous, the South African claimed it, has actually, it was actually a favor for the star. He said, 
I got into the details and I realized he gets to keep his Oscar. He can still win Oscars even though he's banned. This is a favor. Will Smith doesn't have to go to the ceremony. Yeah, he doesn't have to get dressed up. He doesn't have to sit through a bunch of boring awards that he doesn't care about. He doesn't have to pretend to be happy when he loses. Trevor then wrote Chris Rock into the conversation. He continued, I also think they should have at least consulted Chris Rock before choosing the punishment, you know, because if Will were still going to the Oscars, that's at least four hours where Chris Rock knows where he is. Now he could be anywhere. Trevor Noah also joked that the Oscars should have hired Will Smith instead to scare off winners who babble too long in their speeches. He added, do you know how quickly winners will finish their speeches when they see Will Smith watching them from the side of the stage? So that was Trevor Noah's take on the Will Smith band, and I just felt the need to just share that. You know, uh, as a friend of mine by the name of Chris Olecki, who was back in the state of Ohio, who was at KGSO, he used to have what was called a not-so-sports moment segment. Well, that's my not-so-sports moment segment. But now getting into some more details of some sports, we're going to back to the SWAC because there are some things going on that are shaping the SWAC, and it could get ugly as there are lawsuits being talked about as the SWAC fears pending lawsuits could impact deal with Pepsi. A company claiming it has rights to broadcast athletic contests within the SWAC has threatened to sue the league, claiming it interfered with a potential big-time sponsor. An attorney representing Urban Edge Network, you will hear that referred to as UEN Incorporated, parent company of HBCU League Pass, sent a notice to the SWAC on April 14th that it will be filing suit against the conference. The document obtained by HBCU Game Day alleges improper and illegal interference with UEN's expected business transactions with PepsiCo by the SWAC. SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan sent a copy of the notice from the attorney to the presidents and chancellors of the conference on Thursday. The letter informed the Council of Presidents that PepsiCo had reached out to him about Urban Edge broadcasting SWAC contests in which he stated they had no rights to do so. His correspondence read in part, but any entity that is approaching PepsiCo for media buys and referencing broadcasting SWAT games should be evaluated more closely. It has been brought to my attention that several entities have approached some of our corporate partners and others regarding media buys for SWAT games. Just for your information, SWAT conference games cannot be streamed or broadcasted on a national basis outside of conference agreements in addition, member institutions cannot grant permission to other entities to broadcast games either linear or digitally on a national basis. All conference games are restricted and can only be negotiated by the conference office. SWAT Commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan. According to his email, his response prompted UEN to send the threat of a suit alleging torturous interference. 
McClellan expressed concern that the issue could jeopardize the league's relationship with PepsiCo, who the league is renegotiating with for potential eight-figure payment. He stated it poses a potentially bigger threat to the league's negotiations with Byron Allen Media Group for secondary broadcast rights. The email states that the total funding jeopardized could potentially be in excess of $100 million. So, Swipe Broadcasting Rights, according to his website, BEN provides media assets for the HBCU League Pass Plus, which announced deals with multiple SWAC institutions this February. The deals, one with Florida A&M and another with Grambling State, including signage on NASCAR vehicles as well as the app the challenge for live streaming. FAMU was the first to announce a deal with BEN posting a release on February 15th. The network will broadcast all available sports, the Marching 100, and other university-related content with a dedicated channel to FAMU Athletics on HBCU League Pass. The release stated, This allows FAMU to join Urban Edge in this latest Black-owned media initiative. The live streaming network is primed to create new revenue streams and ensure fans, students, and alumni can watch their teams play anywhere there is an internet connection and on demand 24-7. A week later, Grambling State announced a similar deal. Shortly thereafter, the SWAC sent leadership a reminder stating that member institutions cannot sign national rights deals in linear or digital form. SWAC institutions can broadcast on their own individual streaming networks, local television, and regional television. McClellan made it clear to the SWAC leadership that he intends to resolve the issue, stating that the league intends to file counterclaims potentially for fraud or false representation. SWAC intends to fight this lawsuit vigorously and aggressively, McClellan wrote. We will not stand by and allow third parties to take advantage of the SWAC and our institutions. So there you have some developing situations concerning the SWAC League as a whole. So we will be following that as well, and we will try our best to keep you updated on the ongoings locally, regionally, as well as nationally. Well, we know the NFL draft is coming up soon. So next week, I'm going to be looking at some NFL draft news, uh, even look at some prospects that may be getting drafted from HBCU schools as well because we got, we got to just show those brothers some love. So until next time, always remember, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor. Hope you have enjoyed this journey. Hope it took you to some unexpected places. Even hope you got to enjoy a laugh or two while on the train. Until next time, be blessed. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, pulling this train back into the station.